Hey guys, it's James Chester here. You're listening to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast by underagaslitlamp.com. Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. Aimed in towards Archer! That's a fabulous header! He's again the Targets, banished the flick on. Gather Round Villains and welcome to another edition of Gather Round the Lamp, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by underagaslitlamp.com. It was back to normal on the field at the weekend, but it's a new dawn for the club as new manager Unai Emery has arrived at Bodymore Heath to take charge ahead of the visit of Manchester United this Sunday. I'm your host Andy and this week I'm joined by Craig. Yes, hello Andy, hello listener. It is my pleasure to be back this week um, to discuss all things uh, Uncle Unai. Yeah, it's a, it's an exciting time, isn't it, really, to be a Villa fan and um, we'll get into all that. I suppose we better start with, with Newcastle um, on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> I know, I know we, we had a bit of hope, I suppose, going into it after the, after the Brighton game. Um, and Aaron Danks took charge of the team again and and selected the same lineup um, as as expected really um, for this one. The only change was uh, Luca Dean coming back into the squad and and replacing Nakamba on the bench. Um, it was a it was a tricky old game, wasn't it? I think Villa were in in sort of well in it in the first half really um, until. Martinez had to had to go off with a with a head injury, um, which looked, looked quite nasty at the time. We'll perhaps talk about that in a in a minute. Um, but obviously Wilson, Callum Wilson got his uh, his his penalty just before the break um, during a, a, the ten minute stoppage time, um, which was you know kind of predicted that Villa might concede in that time, um, and they just run right then second half. Wilson scoring again. Joe Linton and, and Almiron. Almiron scored a, an absolute worldie to make it to make it four nil. And in in all in all honesty, I think the um, the scoreline at the end flattered Villa somewhat. What do you think, Craig? Yeah, in the end, I think Newcastle hit the post, hit the bar. It was uh, it was tin hats at dawn. Unfortunately, by the end of it, um, Villa absolutely went to pot. Lots of questions online and in the media. And probably rightly so about the mentality of the players who folded like a, an accordion um, after after conceding a, um, a a penalty, which was it was a penalty. Ashley Young's hand was too high, and I think it was a shame because there was, as you mentioned, much real good work in the first half. But I think ultimately um, we learned why that why I why people like me are fans and not football managers because. I said last week or, or, or um, on, on the last show that we should be playing an unchanged team, go again. And unfortunately, we did. And that turned out to be a, a grave mistake because we just did not have the defensive personnel to cope with Newcastle's wave after wave after wave of attack. Um, that is probably what separates you know fans from, from football managers, real football managers and, and, and Danks, no disrespect, to him obviously he did a wonderful job in the in the Brentford game but um perhaps he should have known better that uh, home against Brentford 
and away at Newcastle are, are different kinds of challenges and maybe he should have adjusted the personnel to suit. We know that the top managers, and hopefully we have a top manager now in Unai Emery, the top managers like Pep Guardiola, he doesn't care, he'll drop anyone. He's, whoever it is, Vincent Company, Aguero, Yaya Torre, uh, uh, anyone uh, gets dropped by by um, by Guardiola. You know, he even doesn't bother to play 100 million pound players. He's He's that brave, so... Um, that's the kind of manager that we that we need moving forward. And unfortunately, I think ultimately the, the personnel was wrong. And once we went a goal behind, um, it was really, really problematic because we started chasing the game and leaving all kinds of space. And, and Newcastle just absolutely tore us a new one, Andy. Yeah, definitely. It was it was really disappointing after such a positive performance the week before. Um Obviously, it's kind of left left us a little bit wide open, hasn't it? Because there was obviously lot, lot, lots of talk after the Brentford game that you know the players really sent a message to to Gerard, and um, you know everything that we'd been saying about the system and taking the handbrake off and all all that type of thing had been proven correct. <laughs> and Stephen Gerrard was a hundred percent responsible for how how awful it had been. Um, but maybe that's maybe that isn't the case in reality, and you know the players kind of reverted to type a little bit, a little bit on Saturday afternoon. Maybe I would say that that, that Gerard is definitely mostly responsible for, for for what took place. But what we did see is just I think a naivety from from Danks, as I mentioned, to play that that team again. We were. As fans, we get sentimental and romantic about it. Oh, you've got to play the same team. They did so well. But you have to be a little bit more cutthroat, a little bit more pragmatic about it. And um, and we were just we were just torn to shreds. I, I I don't necessarily buy into the fact that um that there's a massive gulf in class between the players in terms of the personnel lining up for Newcastle United and the personnel lining up for Aston Villa. I think the squads, player for player, are much of a muchness. For what we've seen uh, with the likes of Almiron in particular, Joe Linton in particular, and um, is and and the likes of Fabian Shah, who was, he was spraying balls around like Franz Beckenbauer. I'd never seen anything like it. Um, it was incredible. Now we do know, as uh, a football club, that have had Steve Bruce move along, <laughs> that the players do immediately tend to improve. But what Eddie Howe has done is quite remarkable with the players that he has at his disposal. He has everyone really playing at 100%. And to me, it was a damning indictment of the Gerrard era in the fact that both Howe and Steven Gerrard took over at the same time. Howe took over a worse team, make no mistake about that. I remember, you know, people kind of laughing at Matt Target for going to Newcastle and saying he's going to be in the championship next year. Well, not so fast, my friend, not only because that's how it was when 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 Matt Target left. I believe that uh, Eddie Howe took over a team that had not won in 14 games from old Stevie Bruce. And he not only took them over and transformed them, he leapfrogged us in Aston Villa and finished well clear ahead of us and Steven Gerrard. And what I saw in the Newcastle game, Andy, was one team that had been coached really expertly for a year and were full of confidence and full of beans. And what I saw was another team who were less than the sum of their parts and did okay until, as we say, something went wrong. They needed to chase the game, and then it all absolutely it went to hell in a handbasket and went there quickly. And that, to me, again, as much as the the, the scoreline 
um, um, did flatter Villa in the end. It, 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 it was, to me, a damning indictment of Steven Gerrard as well, just in the comparison to Eddie Howe and what two different managers had done uh, with two not dissimilar squads of players in the same amount of time. Yeah, I can remember being really, um, really underwhelmed by by Newcastle appointing Eddie Howe, and it was it was almost quite amusing because obviously they had more or less got Unai Emery in the door um, before he 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 decided decided not to go for personal reasons, um, and they ended up kind of with with Eddie Howe being the the best option, but the value he's he's added to that squad is is a real kind of um benchmark i think for for managers going into clubs now you know rather than saying like steven gerrard did i need all these players out and you need to get me my players he he has brought in players obviously like bruno gimaraj and um and uh, isaac up front who's injured at the moment but he's getting a tune out of players who are who the club have spent big on in the past, but who who hadn't worked out? Joel Linton, forty million. Almiron, twenty five million. Wilson, twenty million. He's getting he's getting a you know an awful lot out of these guys, and they're playing some some really um, attacking and, and and powerful stuff up there. And it, I mean, they're absolutely on the crest of a wave, Newcastle. And it does sh- just show because, like you say, a year ago they were nailed on for relegation. I mean, and, and that's how. That's how it's. It's not just the owners coming in, although that's helped. Um, that's how having a, a, a really good coach um, in charge of your players and getting the best out of players can really turn turn things around. Yeah, and let's not think Bruno Bruno um, Gimarish, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, is a player that um, is is obviously of high standard. But the other signings that Howe had in January were Chris Wood, who you know, Villa fans would there'd probably be uh, there'd be there'd be arsonists around Villa Park if we signed Chris Wood for twenty million at Villa Park. Uh, Matt Target, who who Villa fans didn't want a reject, and uh, Dan Byrne, again a player who was kind of a squad player at Brighton of Hove, uh, Brighton and Hove Albion. So it wasn't like other than Bruno that uh, Newcastle went and spent this crazy amount of money. Meanwhile, we were bringing in the likes of Luca Dean and Philip Coutinho. Now. If you had told me at the time that Newcastle's transfer window were bringing in Matt Target, Chris Wood, Trippier as well, in, in, in all fairness, good player, but, you know, wrong side of 30, was better than our transfer window persuading the likes of French international fullback Luca Dean and Brazilian international Philip Coutinho through the door, I would have laughed you out of town. But as it turns out, Newcastle were absolutely doing the sensible thing while Villa were um, flirting with with perhaps, dare we say, some vanity projects. Um, because unfortunately, uh, kind of almost a year down the line, uh, the, the, the trajectory of the two clubs couldn't be any more stark. Yeah, it's, it has shown, hasn't it? They've really crossed over big time um, in that time. And, you know, I'd say two, two similar-sized clubs, you know, with, with, with huge, um, huge fan bases um, and also... Big backers, although I mean Newcastle probably blows our our owners out the water in terms of finances. But with FFP, you can only spend so much anyway. You have to be a bit cuter about how you how you go about that that business. And um, and Newcastle 
certainly have been. They have spent a lot. There's no no two ways about it. They probably, I imagine it's only perhaps Man United and Chelsea that have spent more in the last year. But um, you know, it's so it's it's intelligent recruitment. They they're recruiting for what they need now, yeah, rather I, than. If, and if you, you add know. in the summer spend, obviously it changes things. But if you look just at those January, um, those January transactions, you know, Villa, Villa were absolutely clean in a way that, that, that looked like they had the best bit of business. But it, it didn't turn out that way. Villa, um, Villa's kind of almost scattergun approach with um, Steven Gerrard again, all about the individuals, all about the names. Uh, pushing forward to to sign certain players, you know, and unfortunately for for Gerard, and unfortunately for Aston Villa, and unfortunately for for Coutinho as well, who now looks to be uh, done as an international footballer, and he's going to miss the World Cup. It hasn't worked out for anyone, so it's a uh, you know it's a, it's shame on all sides. Unfortunately, yeah, it's been a disastrous year. Um, which I think we've probably covered in the last uh, <laughs> forty odd podcasts that we've done, <laughs> but um, I just wanted to to pick up on the the Emmy Martinez issue. Obviously, in the first half, he had a he had a um, collision with uh, Tyrone Ming's knee uh, to the head, and um, obviously looked looked immediately shaken. Uh, it was around ten minutes later, though, he actually ended up going off. Clearly, just not not with it, not on the same planet. Um, what do you, what do you make of this? And you know, is it? I thought they had brought in certain concussion legislation now in in football and, and things like that, but it all seems to have have gone out the window. I mean, what what needs to happen here? I mean, I'm not I'm not any kind of con- concussion expert or anything like that, and um, I wouldn't I wouldn't claim to be. But concussions as we know are, are are very dangerous particularly if you have two consecutively that's when it can get really really bad for people which is why if someone has even a suspicion of a concussion you get you get them out of the firing line because if they take a second uh, impact to the head a second piece of head trauma can be really catastrophic it can kill people quite frankly which is why you take them out of the firing line in theory now unfortunately um, it seems that football in our country in general has not entirely come to terms with the seriousness of concussions and brain injuries. We're beginning to see um, trickling through uh, investigations and increasing numbers of, of older players suffering with um, with, with declining uh, brain function, uh, things like uh, Alzheimer's and dementia in pro footballers um, from, from, from the bygone era um, who are losing their faculties an alarming rate, which has been linked to, to the heading of a football. So that is something that obviously is going to, you know, those chickens are going to come home to roost, I think, for the sport sooner rather than later. Uh, being a resident in, in North America at the moment, there's there's a similar, well, even worse problems in, in, in the National Football League over here with the American football. And it just seems as though, without getting too much on a soapbox about about this that 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 organizations such as the premier league such as the nfl have a duty of care to these young professionals uh, and amateurs for, for that matter playing the game who whose health should come first and unfortunately the pressure the money the desire to win means that sometimes uh, medical personnel are, are are sidelined and we've certainly seen that in in 
in some of the documentaries we've seen with with players being injected in with all kinds of uh, cortisone and painkilling injections to get them through the next match, which which no one can tell me is in the players' long term health benefit or long term long term interest of their of their health. But anyway, all all of that is to say is I think there is a massive kind of you know iceberg on the way uh, for 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 football in general in terms of brain injuries, in terms of heading the ball. And this is kind of part of it as well. That that Martinez should have been taken out of the of the of the of the game immediately. And um and it seems it needs to be taken out of the club's hands. Uh, and this isn't just an Aston Villa issue. We see it with other teams as well. Because players will sometimes say, yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. And 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 not be entirely sure uh what was going on. And it's really frightening because again a second injury to to Martinez's head there before he had a chance to recover could be really a f- catastrophic for not only his career but also his life yeah it does seem like something more drastic has to happen and like you say I think there needs to be an independent um, check on these players that, that receive head injuries and in order to do that I think they need to be able to to have a have a temporary substitution, you know. So, you know, the, the player goes off, and one of the substitutes comes off for the the time period, whether it's ten or fifteen minutes, so they can have a proper head injury assessment, and you know, find out whether the player is is actually ready to continue. And if not, the player, you know, the substitute substitute stays on. But if if they are if they can come back on, then they can come back on, and you can you can sort of undo the substitution. It, it seems logical to me I know they they do that in rugby union have done for some time they have obviously blood injury substitutions as well um so it's something that's a bit perhaps a bit no, more normal in rugby but in terms of rugby you know I was watching um, a documentary with Steve Thompson who um used to play for Northampton Saints who I follow and and uh, an England England World Cup winner in 2003 um and he's now in his forties, not much older than me, and he's 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 got a, a diagnosis of dementia, and that that's from playing rugby and taking blows to the head in the scrum, obviously in the collisions that happen in rugby, but also every day in training. You know, they're, they're obviously campaigning for 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 lots and lots of different rule changes and and and, and issues around. Around training and and how much they actually need to replicate the the game situation in training and just to protect people and you know football maybe isn't quite as um, s- such a contact sport um, as rugby but um, it's certainly there and like you, said, you mentioned heading the ball it's, it's you know that's a that's a huge thing and that was something that I know. Um, you know, has been attributed to these kind of these kind of um, dementia type uh, diagnoses, sort of later in life for footballers. So things need to happen, but certainly, in, in like you say, in that case, you know, I just think it's a no brainer. Just just allow clubs take it out of their hands, have an independent do- doctor that assesses the player on the pitch and and in the dressing room, and have a have a temporary. A temporary substitution while that while that happens. 
Well, yeah, I'm sure the uh, the no-brainer pun wasn't intended there, Andy, but it was very nice all the no. same. Um, yeah, it is. No, I didn't it, intend that. It is, it is, it is, you know, I, I'm, I'm making a joke there, but it is a very serious matter because you're also a long time retired. Um, you know, the, the, the young man that you just mentioned in, in, in his 40s now dealing with dementia. You know, once these footballers retire at 35, 36 or or. or or 20, 25 in the case of Gabby Agbonlahor, they have a long time of, of, of life ahead of them and they're still young men. So you want to, you know, hope that they can have all their faculties in, intact and, 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 you know, be able to walk properly and all those kind of things. But um, a, scare, a scare for Martinez and hopefully we, we, we see uh, a better response from Aston Villa and all other Premier League clubs next time this happens because it's not, it's not an if, it's a when. Um, and... Um, and, and and I hope that they 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 do better next time is is really all I can say. Yeah, they need to they need to and they need to sort it out and put proper protocols in. I think, but um, we'll we'll see we'll see we'll keep an eye on that one. Um, but we must move on to more more positive um, aspects. Um, obviously, the, the 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 Aston Villa fans have been awaiting eagerly the the arrival of of new manager Unai Emery uh, this week. There was. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday. There was a, a bit of um, a bit of uh, displeasure, I suppose, that there was no no real uh, arrival announcements or anything yesterday. Um, but I think he was probably tied up doing his, uh, you know, his his um, work permit stuff and all that kind of thing, which needs to happen uh, since Brexit. Uh, thanks everyone for that. Um, but he's, he's, he's arrived now. The photos and the content has started to emerge today. Um, there'll probably be a, a, an interview directly after we finish this podcast. Um, but uh, it's, it's obviously some good stuff coming out. And most notably, I think, a, a photo of um, him and, and Nassif Sawiris in the... Possibly Sawiris's home. I don't know. Um, holding the holding the shirt. That was that was nice. Uh, nice photo to see earlier on. Um, it's unclear at the moment who exactly is joining him in his coaching team. There's been some talk about it, but nothing announced um, at time of recording. And it's a massive four and a half year contract, which is, I believe, the longest ever given to a Villa manager. Um, I mean, the news broke last week during the, during our recording, which was very exciting for us all. And uh, with a few days now and a, a terrible defeat kind of under the bridge, how are you feeling about this appointment now? Really, really excited. Dangerously excited, actually. Um, <laughs> un, kind of unreservedly excited. I think, I'm, you know, going back through the kind of annals of, of Aston Villa managerial appointments, probably I haven't been this excited by an appointment since Paul Lambert. Now that sounds <laughs> that sounds mad because of how it ended with Paul Lambert, but just to just to cast you back, if you if you if you look back in your mind's eye, Lambert and Brendan Rogers were kind of coming up at the same time and they were the two hot hot young things. And it was uh I think Rogers went to Liverpool at the same time that we got Lambert. They were they were two up and coming managers. I think Lambert was able to, to secure successive promotions for Norwich from uh, League One and then the Championship into the Premier League, did well in the Premier League with them, and um, and and we were really excited for him because he was he was going to be the next big thing, European Cup winner. Now, obviously, it didn't work out quite how he wanted it to. I think in retrospect, with with emotion removed, we can say that Lambert actually 
didn't do a horrible job keeping some of that some of that rabble in the Premier League in the way that he did. Admittedly, he did did have a little bit of magic in in Christian Benteke to help along the way. But having said that, the rest of the players at his disposal, the likes of Jordan Bowery, Tonef, uh, Al, what was his name, Al Mardi, Al Mardi, yeah, Karim Al Mardi, Al Mardi, yeah. yeah, like. He had some jokers to deal with, did, did, did Paul Lambert. But anyway, I digress. Um, but I was excited for that appointment. McLeish, not so much. Bruce, not so much. Uh, even Dean Smith was a bit of an unknown quantity just because not to be a Premier League snob, but I just wasn't that familiar with championship managers <laughs> at that time, even because we'd only been in the championship for a year and a bit. Um, I, I wasn't quite sure. We were hopeful, but, 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 but not sure. Um, Bruce... Never mind, Sherwood. Never mind, and uh, and 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 Gerard was 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 a major concern for for I think all of us on this show because he was a novice and that obviously went the way it went. So to bring in someone with this kind of pedigree, is it four Europa leagues, five Europa leagues, whatever it four, is, four Europa leagues, yeah, four Europa leagues, one five finals. Uh, it's incredible, actually, and it seems like finally we have an adult in the room. <laughs> It's like Smith was learning on the job as a Premier League manager. Obviously, we love Dean Smith. Great job. He did his remit, which was to restore us to the Premier League and establish us there. But Dean Smith was learning on the job as a Premier League manager, as was Steven Gerrard. Unai Emery has been a Premier League manager, did much better for Arsenal than than, than I think history perhaps recorded. And not only then, he's, he's subsequently gone on to do incredible things and be a, a, a literal history maker for clubs in Europe, including Seville and um, Villarreal. So it is about as... There is no sure thing in football. Obviously, we know that. But this is about as sure thing as you can, you can get, Andy. I mean, he's got more trophies than Howe, more trophies than Potter, a better pedigree than anybody else that we were really talking about, more trophies than Pochettino. So it is really special to have this guy on board, and it feels like it's a little bit with the players. We alluded to them, to Downing Tools or whatever. It, it has been a little bit like the uh, inmates were running the asylum for a long time at Aston Villa, and I finally feel like we have an adult in charge who can guide us to the promised land. Yeah, I, was, um, I think it was Matt Mayer last week from the uh, the Villa reporter from the Express and Star um, tweeted something to the effect of, um, you know, we're getting to the stage now where the, the we you know we can't blame the manager anymore, and um, I think this is that appointment, isn't it? I think Gerard came in um, and used the phrase uh, "no more excuses," but I think this applies now to the players in a big way. I think. Um, you know, and 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 this is a guy that, from the look of that photo today, with Sawiris holding the shirt, it, it looks like he's he, it's the owner's man. You know, he he hasn't um, he hasn't asked Christian Perslow to go and find a manager. He's gone and got the guy that he wanted, and um, it feels like they're backing him with a, a really long contract, a really big contract. They're bringing in all his staff. You know, they've dispensed with Neil Cutler. Um, and Aaron Danks is moving aside. Austin McPhee has has has, uh, has been kept on, um, which 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 may be a good thing. We'll we'll wait and see. Um, so they're really backing him, and I think it feels like 
the onus now is very firmly on the players. The ball is very much in their court. Um, if they don't produce now, it won't be the manager that's held responsible this time. No, um, and and for all Gerard's for all Gerard's faults, and there were they were they were many, and 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 I think ultimately now we can probably calm down a bit from Gerard. Lots of things he he did were very annoying. <laughs> But he was a novice manager trying to make his way forward and make his way in the in the he was trying to make his way in 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 the in the Premier League and he was learning on the job and he made big mistakes. But there were also player problems which he just wasn't over, able to overcome. There were player problems that Dean Smith also was not over able to overcome. Even though, as we've discussed before, Dean Smith was the one that gave many of these players an opportunity of a lifetime they were unable to fully repay him um so basically i just need to settle into the idea that we have someone now who is going to have carte blanche i think if he decides to cull and we've spoke about this a little bit um i tweeted about something similar the other day if the manager decides to cull big time players at aston villa our favourites, then it's something we're just going to have to get behind because the old way hasn't worked. We haven't been able to progress. We are moving backwards and we're trusting Unai to to arrest that slump and reverse the, the tide and, 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 and move us towards European football, which is the, the medium to long-term aim. So it's only fair at this point that we give him the, the licence to do that. And we were going to give Gerard the licence to do that, at least as fans. We said... You know, we we you know, Gerard deserves a preseason that he wanted. He deserves the opportunity to assemble his own squad. And that didn't really necessarily happen in, in the way that we thought it would. But Unai Emery is gonna suffer no fools. He's been around the block. He's um and and, and he's he is a um a fastidious uh, leader in, in terms of looking at detail. So I don't think any of the players are gonna pull the wool over his eyes. I don't think any of them are going to 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 be able to blag their way out of it. It's either are you good enough for Unai Emery's Aston Villa or are you aren't, or are you not, sorry. And there are some favourites of mine that I'm concerned their heads may roll and I'm just going to have to to, to, to learn to, 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 to eat it and like the taste because we can't keep going on like this, simply put. No, not at all. And he, he will he will obviously want to bring in his own his own men, but I'm, I'm sure as well he'll he'll look at He'll look at the squad, and he may he may have different ideas than the previous two managers have had about some of those players, um, some of the favourites, like you say, that have 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 been the stalwarts of the team under Smith and Gerrard, and then others that 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 maybe have been outside the picture a little bit on the fringes. Um, he might have a, different ideas about where players play and how best to use them, and and, and that sort of thing as well. Although we. Do, I'm, I'm I'm reluctant to get too much into, you know, square pegs in round holes like we've had before. But at the same time, you know, you've got to do what works for the team, haven't you? And I think I think that's the thing that that fe- that's what feels like is is going to happen under this manager. It's it's more about what you know who can deliver what I want, you know, and um, less about you know. You know who should play, and you know who which 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 personalities need to be in the team. 
this this player does these has these attributes and and does this well so they that they'll play and I'm, I'm sure as well he'll have an eye on in a similar way to how we said about Eddie Howe you know getting more out of players that that just haven't been showing up for Villa for an awfully long time and I think there were in 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 my mind there were certain kind of untouchables if you like for, for Aston Villa um Mings was definitely one for me um the the captaincy thing we we've you know we, we've we've talked about it in in great detail so we don't need to go over that again but that was a big part of Gerard's downfall because he took on one of Villa's untouchables um John McGinn has been a Villa untouchable for a long time again a promotion hero a bit of a cult hero at Aston Villa and um and 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 then you've got uh Ollie Watkins who who you know the the player that we saw break out in that season and score fourteen Premier League goals, score the hat trick against Liverpool. We haven't seen that guy for over a year now, at least not on a consistent basis. So to me, whoever it is, even Emmy Martinez has regressed. Dare I say, from where he was um, in that in that season um, where he kept uh, a Brad Friedel's uh, uh, record equaling clean sheet record. That was a bad sentence. You know what I mean. <laughs> All of them have regressed. So if Emery were to say, any of is, is there any player at Aston Villa who could complain if they were chopped at this point after the, after the dirge we've seen, not only in 2021, but also 2022? Uh, the point is, I don't think there are any, any untouchables anymore. I think there's not one single player who I can point to and say this person must start. Maybe apart from Ashley Young, and he's you know he's <laughs> he was even creaking against Newcastle because obviously he can't necessarily be expected to play at, the, at that level every week anymore. So really, there's no one that oh, uh, yeah. could could be dropped and and have a leg to stand on and moan about it because everyone's been <laughs> crap at certain points, and some of them have been crap the whole way through. <laughs> I was going to uh, I was going to say Ashley Young. I was you know and, and 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 that's the thing you know that that kind of epitomizes Villa's Villa's transfer strategy over the last 2 years doesn't it you know the fact that the best performing signing we've made in the last 3 transfer windows um is Ashley Young who's who's 37 38 is he I'm not sure but he's you know and yes, he's an elite player, and we've 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 waxed lyrical about him on on this show, um, and how well he's been performing. And and you know he would argue that yes, this is my. I'm, well, he probably thinks he's playing below his level um, in many ways, but he is a top player. He's he's one of the elite players in the squad, but the others aren't producing what he's producing. And um, like you say, he 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 shouldn't be expected to to be doing it week in week out um as much as he might want to and and he can't i think we saw that we saw that at newcastle i think you know the the he went to the well one too many times at newcastle and, and the well was dry and that's not a critique that's absolutely fair enough he shouldn't have to be playing every week at that level anymore we should be able to rest him rotate him and manage him a bit better but he's been he was left out there, I think, for one game too many, and 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 he he paid a bit of a price. But again, I'm not going to criticise him for that because it's not his fault. It's really difficult to again. So any, I don't think there are any untouchables anymore. And 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 the thing that I also think about Andy in terms of this new phase is, from what I've heard in the interviews that I've seen with with Guillaume Balague, Graham Hunter, all the the Sid Low, all the kind of Spanish football experts is. 
Unai Emery is a football obsessive. He is detail oriented. He's he's like a professor. He will lock you in the classroom and make you learn until you until you and 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 ply you with information, ply you with tactical detail. Even so much I've seen that he will tell players um, which is something that I believe Rafa Benitez used to do and, and which didn't please players. He would tell players the way to shape their body to receive the ball. And I think some players who are a little bit raw, like Ollie Watkins, for example, will be really in tune and really eager to learn. But other players will probably find it, you know, maybe insulting or, or won't come on board with it. And some players, dare I say, just won't have the <laughs> just won't be clever enough to deal with the information, dare I say. Uh, so, so, so this—that's another thing that's going to be interested is not only who is able to 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 be a good enough football player, but who has the right mental capacity, the right patience, and the right attention span to take on these new ideas and this new way of thinking. Because it's almost like a hive mind. And I've been watching—I've <laughs> been guilty of watching loads of Emery teams. They do move like a shoal of fish. Whereas we see Aston Villa, we, it's, it's not like that. It's very individualistic. So it's going to be interesting to see in the coming weeks and months who is able to cope with it and who it's just not right for and will need to leave for that reason. Not because they're a bad player necessarily, but because they just don't necessarily have the mental capacity to to plug into what Unai Emery is trying to do. Yeah, I just, I mean, it will be interesting. I mean, there's kind of only really four games now until the... The transfer window, um, which is strange, saying that in November, but because uh, of the World Cup, um, you know, and there are already links to several players, particularly uh, Villarreal players, and uh, Nicholas Jackson um, is one player who there seems to be very strong links with. Um, you know, so we'll, we'll wait and see on that. But there's there's not an awful lot of time for players to impress, and I just wondered who who you think. Um, you know, in the in the kind of bit of kind of information we have about Emery and 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 how he plays and his his style and and that sort of thing, um, who do you think will will benefit from from Emery, who, or who stands to benefit maybe, and 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 who do you think has got it kind of all to do now to to salvage their Villa career if they want to? From what I see, from what I've, from from what I've seen. Emery's teams are uh, very intricate in their passing. It's one and two touch stuff. It's close control. Oh it's about not necessarily, <laughs> yeah. It's about not necessarily, some of his attacking movements is they don't, they're not passing to each other. They're not passing to men. They're passing to space. And so that's how good teams operate. You see Pep Guardiola sometimes, uh, the, his teams, people will pass into strange places and there's no one there, but they know that, with this pattern, this player runs to X plates and, 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 and Y player runs to the other plate. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, so so it's that. So the question is, who is who is good at that? Who can do one or two touch football? Who can pass accurately? Who can receive in tight areas? Which is another thing because uh, Emery's players in the Villarreal side, from what I've seen, again, his central midfielders in particular are very good at receiving the ball under pressure and the fullbacks as well and maintaining possession. So you think Dinia could be great for him. Cash, I would worry about yeah. <laughs> on that basis. Um, 
Mings, I would have concerns about. Konza, I, I think that might be beyond him. Whereas Diego Carlos, I think it'd be perfect. McGinn, his worst probably attribute is 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 his close control and kind of not close control, his kind of receiving and and, and passing and, and, and keeping the ball. So you you'd worry for McGinn. You'd also worry for Watkins, but also you wouldn't worry for Watkins because you because you feel like he's maybe the hardest worker in the group and the person who's most likely to to to, to benefit from someone like Emery. And you think marvelous, bearing in mind receiving the ball under pressure in central midfield. I think that would be the end of him because <laughs> that's just not something he can do. But it could be a lifeline for someone like Morgan Sanson. I think Douglas Louise will thrive. I think Dendonka will be good. I think Kamara will thrive. Um, I think uh, Coutinho, it could be the end of him. He doesn't seem to be dynamic enough. Buendia, I think, <laughs> it's a well, toss of a coin. Buendia. And talk, Bailey talk too. About Buendia, if I might jump in. I think, yeah, he, I worry a little bit about his his, his passing um, and his control in that situation, but I think the workhorse side of him, you know, might, we might see him playing in a in a slightly different role. Maybe um, he's one player that might be yeah. valuable into a into the into the side in a different way. Maybe, yeah, and 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 there is some of that as well. He he has been known to use central midfielders out wide or central players out wide. We know Buendia did his best work at Norwich, nominally starting from a right. Uh, right-hand side of a front three, but with the freedom to drift. It doesn't seem like Emery's <laughs> system leaves a lot of room for that kind of thing. Lots of drifting. It seems like you you go where you go and that's it. But Brendia is is someone that's going to be chomping at the bit. And as you say, from from an attitude standpoint, uh, he is a ferocious competitor and, 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 and really plugged in. Uh, Emery's team also use at least one very pacey winger. So naturally... Leon Baylor, you think would have would have some 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 joy there, but he is going to have to really improve on his defensive side of the game because I think that's going to be a core component of, of of Emery's side. Now, obviously, it would have been interesting to see some of our other wingers under Emery, but but Gerard got rid of them all, so so you'd imagine a winger will be needed. Um, I understand um, from a piece from Ashley Priest, there's no recall option on on Bertie Traore. Um, whether or not, so 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 it would seem like we would have to buy a winger in January. Um, you wouldn't think that uh, Jaden Philogene Bedes is there, or maybe maybe Ramsey becomes the winger, maybe Watkins becomes the winger. I don't know exactly what he's going to do, but. I think it is it is going to take some time. I think it might get worse before it get, gets better. Gerard has squandered some really easy fixtures. I mean, Villa have only won one point out of nine available from newly promoted teams, for example. And the next league games are daunting. I think we have Man United, Liverpool, Tottenham. Uh, we have Brighton and someone else. I want to say so. They're not they're not easy fixtures at all. Um, so it could get worse before it gets better. I wouldn't be surprised to see Villa in the relegation zone during the World Cup. And um, and fans, and I speak for myself in this, we're going to have to be patient and we're going to have to stick with it because it could get a little bit dicey um, until Emery has some time to really affect the change that's needed. Yeah, I did have a, a shudder down my spine this morning when I, I opened my Facebook memories and saw a picture of... Um, 
Remy Gard holding the shirt seven years ago on this day, uh, 2nd of November. Um, and he had t- taken over from a manager who's, th- there seems to be a, a an awful lot of comparisons um, between Tim Sherwood and, and Stephen Gerrard. Um, I think we're, we're probably in a better position um, now than we were back then. And I'd argue that Emery is probably a better manager than Remy Gard, but going into the bottom three might be a bit of a cause for concern um, at this stage. And I think at any point in the season, um, going into the bottom three is difficult because from that point you're playing catch-up, aren't you? So, and that's never a good good position to be in. Um, so I suppose as well, you know, the uniqueness of having this, this break. Um, Steve, one good thing Stephen Gerrard has done is ensure that there'll be a minimal represent, representation at the World Cup. Um, <laughs> so any players that uh, that can't be dropped probably by their country because they're just, they're just too too good. People like Bednarek and uh, even Matt Cash and Martinez, I think. Um, uh, but lots of players <laughs> have lost their place and are nowhere near getting back in, in their squad. So that might, be, that might work in our favour as well and having kind of six weeks or so on the training pitch and I'm sure they'll uh, they'll probably have a holiday at some point and that sort of thing but um, it might it might benefit the players in that respect as well I agree I think that is uh, going to be a boost it's Emery's going to have um, essentially a, 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 a kind of almost mini pre-season to get his thoughts and ideas into the players and as you say even the players who we thought were nailed on to go to the world cup even in the summer uh, mings you know after after doing so well for england looked like he would go he may not be going um coutinho you thought was certainly going to be going with brazil but he's been so bad for so long now that it seems that he's he's done and dusted at international level so he is going to um, um, brendia was flirting with the edges of the 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 Argentina squad, but again, hasn't done enough surely to be considered as a, as, as, as going on, on, on the journey with them. So you, we are going to have a great deal of our first team players available for, 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 for Emery to work with. And while that's really sad for the players who were kind of dreaming and counting on or hoping to, to represent their country at the biggest, you know, the, 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 the pinnacle of, of, of probably their sports careers. Again, we can blame Gerard, and Gerard does definitely have some a case to answer, just because the sheer blanket number of players that have fallen out of of of, of international reckoning under his watch tells you that there's something fundamentally wrong with the system. But also the players themselves, Coutinho has had more opportunities than most, um, and he's absolutely blown it. Gerard was loyal to Coutinho to a fault, and actually it was again one of the things that was Gerard's undoing because it was just ridiculous in the end how badly Coutinho was playing and still being picked. So the players also have to take some responsibility, but their loss hopefully can be Villa's gain and we can maybe start the season, restart the season again, I think in um, in December, I want to say, and 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 be a completely different beast and much more of the Unai Emery side than we're going to probably see in the next couple of games before he has any kind of time on the training ground to implement his ideas. Yeah, I believe it's Liverpool at home on Boxing Day. Is the uh, the first game back um, after the World Cup? So yeah, nice just, and easy just one, ease then. into it because I'm sure Liverpool won't have any points to prove. Um, 
<laughs> by that stage, uh, they won't be chomping at the bit to, to to get some points on the board. But it's interesting, actually. I saw someone, I heard someone saying either on a podcast or radio or something about about um, one of the one of the main things that Emery has to do is 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 get Coutinho performing again, and I just thought. I think that's one of the last things, actually. I think if he can get Coutinho performing again, it will be a bonus. But I think the the main focus is on is on getting the getting the team functioning as a as a as a collective, you know. And this is this is gonna be the starkest difference from the Gerard era. Gerard, as you kind of alluded to earlier, Andy, it was all about quote unquote moments of magic. It was always about the individuals. You know, in his no excuses culture, he came up with a lot of excuses in press conferences. Oh, the players need to step up. The players need to finish better. The players need to cut out individual errors. The players, the players, the players, blah, 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 blah. These players aren't going to be good enough for Aston Villa, la, la, la. It was always on the individual rather than the collective. With Emery, again, when you watch his teams defend, when you watch them move, it's like a shoal of fish. It's like a hive mind. They move as one. And, and, and it's kind of all for one and one for all dare I say and that is going to be a sharp shift from from Gerard and the focus on individuals the team is going to be king and I think Coutinho's days as a functional Premier League player maybe maybe behind him I hope not but maybe behind him and if that's to the benefit of Aston Villa and so be it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just before we we have a break, the um, our, our good friend on the, on the on the podcast, Mark Jirobi, wanted to wanted to point out as well something about about Emery's um, his ability to just pick up points, you know, and to really really accum- accumulate points. And you know, he said that he's he had a a points average points per game average of one point eight five at Arsenal, which is an awful lot higher than than I'd have thought, um, and one point seven eight at, at Villarreal, um, <clears throat> who are you know who are a good team, but not not a top six team in in La Liga. So that's that's pretty good. Um, you know he, he he seems to he seems to know how to get the most out of his teams and how to how to get the team moving up the league, which we badly need at the moment. We do, and 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 Emery was also the first one to see that Abamyang and Osil were a problem at Arsenal, and wanted them gone and wasn't give that latitude. So, again, big heads could roll, and um, and I'm all for it if it's for the benefit of Aston Villa. Yeah, absolutely. And at that point, we'll have a break and a word from our our sponsors, Manscaped. Aston Villa found themselves managerless this past weekend, but a lot of men don't find themselves hairless. There are, however, 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped for their below-the-belt grooming. Support for Gathering the Lamp is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the absolute dog's bollocks in below-the-waist grooming. We can give you an exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code GATHER at manscaped.com. If there's 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, if my math's correct, that's about 12 million balls. In the Performance Package 4.0, you can find the lawnmower trimmer, uh, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, as well as all the good, great, amazing things that can keep your balls clean and smelling great. 
There's even two free gifts in their performance package, the Manscaped boxes and the Shed Travel bag so you can bring all of your grooming essentials wherever you go. Take care of yourself with manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATHER at checkout. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code GATHER. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Welcome back to Gather Around the Lamp and I think now we move on to the um, the game on Sunday which is obviously Villa fans' probably least favourite fixture in the calendar as uh, Man United visit Villa Park for the first of two games um, over that, that week. Obviously we play them in the Cup as well um, on Thursday. Um, it's something that, you know, obviously we, we never look forward to playing Man United and they, they have certainly had a, a resurgence this season after a dodgy start under under Eric Ten Hag. Um, all issues with Ronaldo and various things and uh, Anthony spinning round. Um, that seemed to create a, a bit of a stir last week. <laughs> I thought it was quite funny. Um, but there will be a, a full house, an expectant crowd at, at Villa Park um, to welcome the new manager, Hunai Emery, um, for his first game. And obviously then, you know, setting up for the cup game and then the final game before the World Cup against Brighton the week after. So, you know, it's a chance to really kind of, the players to really kind of um, show what they can do, what they can do in these in these big big games, really. Um, there's some talk that uh, Bubakar Kamara was due to return to training with the group this week. Um, obviously, Dina has, has come back as well. And I guess they will sort of be careful with Emi Martinez after his head injury at Newcastle. Um, in a way, do you think this might be kind of the perfect first game for, for Unai Emery? Um, and what do you think? What do you think in terms of how he might line up? Do you think he'll keep it fairly fairly straightforward and the same? Or do you think he'll have his own ideas? I think home to Bournemouth would have been better. But um <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think this is this is a good one because there's a bit of needle there, um, just because it's not because we're rivals of Manchester United, uh, but because Villa fans generally dislike Manchester United, particularly given Manchester United's uh, uh record at Villa Park over the years. I was there, dare I say, in nineteen ninety five for that famous three one victory, which uh which turned out to be really a Incredible moment in time. We did see Villa beat Manchester United last season with a goal from the big man, Courtney Hawes, uh, in, in, in Dean Smith's final victory for the club. So we do know that Man United are not once they what they once were. However, talking about coaches who have begun to turn the corner and get more out of their players, Eric Ten, Ten Hag is certainly doing that. Uh, Man United have been underperforming for, 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 for years with some joker managers like uh, Solskjaer. So now they have a serious coach. They're starting to be a more serious team. Obviously, they're still not a powerhouse Man City type outfit. And they can be got at and they can be defeated. But they are on a very, very good run. I know that Bruno Fernandes is, is suspended for this fixture. But Villa Park will be absolutely rocking and rolling. It's a Sunday afternoon. I imagine there will be some... Um, some, some some beverages consumed on the on the on the way to the ground, and that uh, Villa Park will be rocking and ready and in full voice, and he's going to get the absolute buck, uh, the, the 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 backing of a lifetime. I think he's going to get a really ferociously warm welcome. That's Unai Emery. That is, 
the players hopefully can carry some of that momentum they they did have from the Bournemouth game from the Brentford game I apologize and um and hopefully we can we can do a job on them because what a wonderful start that would be for the Unai Emery era and what a relief it would be for us to draw ourselves away from the relegation zone which we sit perilously close to Andy yeah, well, there won't be any drinks conceded by me, unfortunately, as uh, still be on the, the antibiotics from this horrible ear infection. But um, no one needs to hear about that, really. But I'll certainly be looking forward to the game, um, you know, if I can make it. And, you know, it's it's it, it, it's always a bit of an occasion when Man United come to town. Um, I was remembering um, yesterday, actually, that uh, when I was very young, first getting in, to football, we had a similar thing where we played Man United um, twice in a in a week, both at home actually, uh, once in the in the league and once in the in the um, Coca Cola Cup, and uh, and we beat them both times, one um, 0 I think Daly and Atkinson scored one of the games, and Dean Saunders scored near the games, and obviously when you got players like that, it's um, it's a lot easier. <laughs> <laughs> to 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 play these games and we were I mean I think we finished second that year so we were the the second best team behind Man United um that year so it was it was a great team but it has been done before we have uh, we have beaten them twice in a week before so uh, you never know but it's it's not something that we're we're used to at all and even kind of the comeback um at home last year um when we came back from 2-0 down uh, and Coutinho, of course, scored on his debut, um, and we thought we'd found <laughs> we found, as it says in our in our intro, our new hero. Um, but uh, but it wasn't to be, and I think there'll be um, there will be some expectancy that you know these players, even if Unai Emery hasn't you know had it, had an awful lot of time to get his his ideas over to them, obviously, um, that there will be a reaction, and there will be players who who are you know. Trying, trying their absolute utmost to 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 hold their hands up and say, you know, I want to be part of this going forward under under Emery. Um, so you know, very optimistic. Um, if not about the result, certainly the, the the type of performance we should expect from from Villa on Sunday. Um, I think you said Fernandez is out. I think possibly Varane is out as well, isn't he? Um, Injured, so that yeah. might mean. Might mean Harry Maguire's in, and he'll either have an absolute worldie, um, or it'll be more of the same from from earlier in the season. So, uh, well, it, it, we just it, need to it, put him under a bit of pressure. With my England hand, fan hat on, it, we know it doesn't matter what he plays or how he plays. He's, Southgate will start him regardless. So um, <laughs> there is that. So let's hope he has a stinker. And um, you know, uh, it, it, he is. He does have vulnerability. Vulnerabilities, and I'm sure Unai will be in the uh, the video room probably as we speak, uh, talking about how to get at Maguire and how to get at that Man United backline because there are gaps to be exploited. Um, Harry Maguire has the turning circle of a large cruise liner, and with nippy, nimble players like Leon Bailey and Ollie Watkins, uh, we can potentially do some 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 damage there. But obviously, the the, the big the, the the big thing is we don't know how how the teams. Uh, Going to line up. I know that was your next question for me, Andy. So let me put, put, let me pose it to you. How do you think they're going to line up in Unai, Uncle Uncle Unai's first game? I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? We we don't know. I think I was thinking earlier, and 
the last couple of managers that have come in, uh, Dean Smith, obviously, um, Stephen Gerrard, I think I was expecting more from, you know, more of more a bit more imagination in both um, situations. There was an awful lot of talk when Dean Smith came in about, you know, the young players he would bring through, how he'd, he'd get Scott Hogan firing and James Bree and, and these guys, you know, and Scott Hogan. Yeah, and it just when it really he was thinking to himself, like I already got rid of you once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, didn't quite get as much the second time he got rid of him. But um, I think you always kind of think about this and think, well, this manager will like this player. And and generally, in, a, in my experience, they tend to just stick with the same, the same group of players. And I guess they evolve it over time because you don't want it. The last thing you want to do is is go in and, and rip everything to shreds and, you know, and um, it just falls to bits completely. So I think, I don't think there'll be too many changes. Um, there was some discussion on our group about Morgan Sanson maybe getting an opportunity, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure, you know, who, we, who he'd really start in, in front of in that situation. And I think he'll... More importantly, I don't see how Morgan Sanson could be match fit. He hasn't played at all. So I think it'd be yeah. very unfair, almost, you know, to to to, to start him or marvelous from even if you wanted to, let's say, start Sanson or marvelous or or players like that or or your mate Freddie Gilbert. I think it'd be very unfair because they just haven't had any first team football, so it's it's going to be very difficult for them to just come in cold like that. Um, so that will probably also influence his his thinking in in terms of uh, in terms of what he wants to do with the, with, with 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 the team that he selects because you do need players who are somewhat match fit you would have thought in order to, for them to be competitive yeah absolutely in fairness to Freddie Gilbert though he has been uh, ripping it up in the under 21s over the last few weeks so <laughs> you know he's 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 probably match fit and ready to go or at least he is in his mind but I think I think with all these players we have to keep an open mind don't we um you know and and, and kind of draw a line under what what's gone before to some degree and and allow the manager to um you know, to to have his his ideas, and he will find the players that he wants to um, to do what he wants to do, and the players that ap- apply themselves to that will, I think, will do well under this manager. But you know, players that are you know a bit a bit unsure, or they don't they don't quite want to do the work, or do the running, or or execute the game plan. I think they'll uh, they'll be out the door fairly quickly, um, and and with with. You know, with it seemingly that, that the owners, particularly Nazif Sawiris, seems to be very much uh, into this appointment. Unai Emery will get absolute full back, backing, I think, from 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 the ownership on uh, on what he wants to do. I think uh, if he doesn't if he doesn't fancy a player, they won't be long for the Villa dressing room. Yeah, and I do think that that's that's really interesting. Talking about the photo that's been released of. Christian Perslow nowhere to be found, and uh, and 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 <laughs> our mate Big uh, Nasef in the picture with him. It is uh, sometimes a picture can speak a thousand words, and I think that that's slightly the case here. So um, fair play to 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 Nasef for getting the man that he wanted, and fair play to to Aston Villa for still being despite dangling around the rele- relegation zone a major draw to. Uh, one of the most successful European, one of the most successful managers in European football in the last five or ten years. So 
really good stuff. I just hope that we give him, and I include myself in that, we as fans give him the time and the space that's needed to 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 turn this ship around because it it might need ripping up and starting again, unfortunately. Um so I hope that we have the stomach for that. Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's true. I think that's fair. Um Great. Well, what what do you reckon then for for Saturday? What you, are you going to uh, venture a prediction for this one? One 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 one. Fair enough. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a win. I'm gonna go for a Villa win. I think uh, high scoring three two, three two victory. Um, may even come from behind in this one, and that'll be a, a sign that um, maybe things are going to be a little bit different um, under this manager. So we'll we'll see about that. But um, thanks, thanks for joining me today, Craig. It's been it's been great, um, exciting times, and and let's hope that uh, over the next few months things things do uh, do live up to that excitement. And uh, we, I'm sure he'll, like you say, he'll get a, a great reception um, when he comes out of Villa Park on 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 Sunday afternoon. Um, thanks for listening, everyone. Obviously, head over to Manscaped to get you 20% off and free shipping with our code GATHER um, for all your Manscaped products over there. And head over to our socials as well, um, under a gaslit lamp on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and under a gaslitlamp.com. Um, check check out the website over there as well. And we'll be back next week, um, either before or after the Cup game, not, not, not sure yet, um, to discuss how the early days of Unai Emery um, has gone so far and if you are going to the game have a have a great great time great day um, and we'll see you next week stay safe and up the villa